let's take our Bibles this morning, please turn to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18 this morning. I was thankful how all the specials this morning, we had different specials in the 830 service because Brother Tony needed to be home with Mrs. Snively and he sang in the morning service and Judy now and then the Hayward song all went so well with the message this morning and I praise the Lord. It just, you know, you struggle sometimes to know exactly what you should preach and that brings confirmation when the Holy Spirit's working in their hearts in the same way and so I thank you all for the music this morning. Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. We're thankful today also to have three baptisms this morning and I want you to be praying for them and and uh, we're, uh, they're a little bit nervous, I would imagine. And if they had to stand before this lot, I can see why. Amen. And so be, be in prayer for them. It's not an easy thing uh, to go into a room full of people that you've only recently met, really. Most people get saved. They haven't been in church very long. And uh, so to come into a room of people they don't know that well, and uh, they'd appreciate your prayers and your support and your encouragement. And so if you could uh, be in prayer for them throughout this service as you think about them, I know they'd appreciate that very much. Genesis chapter 18, Genesis chapter 18, the Bible says, and the Lord appeared unto him, Abraham, in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. We can relate to that right now. We understand what the heat of the day is. And he lifted up his eyes and he looked and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree and I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye shall pass on, for therefore are ye come to your servant." And they said, so do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf, tender and good, and gave it unto a young man and he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them and he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. And they summoned him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore didst, did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I have a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. With God's help this morning, I'd like to preach a message entitled, 
laughing at God. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you'd help us as we weave our way through the scripture this morning to understand the principles that we find within. But Lord, that only comes if your Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. So we pray, Lord, that you'd move through your word, that your Holy Spirit would bless your word today. Lord, I, just a servant, just often just standing in the way of you being able to do great things. I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to people's hearts today, that you'd minister to them through the word. Lord, that it would not return void, but it would accomplish a purpose in their life. So, Father, encourage us, help us, we pray. And, Father, I pray that you, in fact, would fill me with thy spirit as I surrender to thee. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says that Abraham had pitched his tent on the plains of Mamre. One day while he was sitting in the door of his tent, he noticed three men passing by. We understand who we believe these men to be. The Bible identifies one right away. It says it is the Lord. The Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D, which is Jehovah. Right there in verse 1, it says, the Lord appeared unto him in the morning. You know, many times in the Bible, we, we look at a passage of scripture of somebody that comes to speak to one of the servants of God, and they might say the angel of the Lord, and we often try to determine whether or not that is really a, uh, what we call a theophanies or a uh, pre-incarnate appearing of Christ. In other words, is it Jesus Christ before he uh, was born of flesh on the earth? And many men have looked at the Bible, and they can always be sure. We know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fiery furnace, and the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar looked into the furnace and saw the fourth man, and he said, he is like as unto the Son of God. Many people will say that was Jesus Christ. I believe it was Jesus Christ, but the Bible emphatically says, like. Doesn't say it was necessarily. But there's no doubt in this passage The Bible says, and the Lord. These three that came, one of them was at least the Lord. It was Jehovah God there in the flesh before Abraham. We know that the other two men are likely, the Bible says, if you would read the end of Genesis chapter 18, you would find that as they leave Abraham, they're on their way to condemn the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. It is then that they have this great bargaining time with with Abraham if you find 50 righteous men or 40 or 30 or 20. And then we read in Genesis chapter 19 that two angels go into the city to rescue Lot and his family and to convince them to come forth. And so these three men, I believe, are the Lord, as the Bible tells us they are, and the two angels that accompanied him as they brought destruction and wrath of God upon the city of Sodom. The Bible says that as the Lord appeared unto Abraham, an interesting exchange took place. Abraham, I believe in my heart, knew exactly who he was talking to. I believe there's some subtle hints in Scripture that point us in that direction and tell us that Abraham was aware of who he talked to. Notice what it says. The Bible says, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent of the door in the heat of the day. And verse 2 says, He lift up his eyes and looked, and lo... Three men stood by him when he saw them. Look what he did. He ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. I don't know about you, but how many of you remember our first Sunday back? That was just a few weeks ago, right? Four or five weeks ago, June 16th, I guess it was. 
How many of you were pretty excited to go to church that day? Amen. How many were just as excited today? Amen. Good. Some of you. That's good. I remember coming that day, and what a blessing. Some of us, we hadn't seen each other in three months. We might have exchanged an email or a text or talked on a phone or something like that, but we hadn't actually seen each other physically in three months or so at the time, and we were excited to be in church. But I'm going to say this. Nobody came and bowed down before me. Nobody. Can you believe that? I didn't bow down before anybody either. Not even Bailey. Well, I wasn't, it wasn't uh, something that was on my heart. Oh, there's, 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 a, there's a friend. There's somebody passing by. I'm excited to see them. And I went and I bowed my... It didn't happen. didn't happen. But Abraham sees three strangers. People he doesn't even know. And the Bible says he went out and he bowed. Something in my heart says Abraham knew who this was. As a matter of fact, later on, the Bible says that the Lord will say unto him... Where is Sarah, thy wife? And you know what Abraham says? She's in the tent. But you know what he doesn't say? How did you know Sarah was my wife? Where did you get the idea I have a wife named Sarah? She's been in the tent. I went into the tent. She's been cooking in the tent. I brought the food out to you under the tree. You've never seen her. She wasn't... She wasn't prepared to entertain people. She was in the tent out in the wilderness. Only her and her husband. How did you know it was Sarah? It never happened. Because I believe he knew who he was talking to. He knew it was the Lord. The Bible says here that as we read on, they went through this wonderful exchange. And the Bible says in verse 9, And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And she, he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. And look what it says, verse 12. Therefore, because of these things, in verse 11, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord Abraham being old also. I wonder if you've ever been in that position as we develop the thought this morning and work our way through Scripture, I think perhaps you'll begin to identify with Sarah a little bit. You might say, well, I've, I've never, ever laughed at God. Really? You may not have physically belly laughed. You may not have laughed out loud. But maybe you've said, God, you, you can't be talking to me. This doesn't make sense that you would call me to do something for Christ. We shrug off the thing that God is trying to do in our life and we wonder why we don't have the blessing of God to follow. We may not laugh out loud, but we certainly laugh in the face of God when we're not obedient to what God wants for us. But it's undeniable in Scripture that Sarah laughed at what God said. She laughed at the very word of God. I want to suggest to you today that her laughter revealed some things about her. We're going to look at those three things, and I think as the story develops, you might begin to say, you know, Pastor, 
we're not really talking about Sarah anymore. We're talking about me. I've had disappointments and I've had doubts and I've had discouragements. And I wonder if it's because we doubt who it is we're serving. Abraham, I believe, because of his behavior, knew who he was talking to. He called himself their servant. He's not a servant to a stranger, but he was a servant to Almighty God. But Sarah, shut up in her tent, seemed to struggle with doubt. But humanly speaking, who could blame her? Notice some things with me in the scripture this morning, if you will. We're going to focus on verse 11 and 12 for a moment. Notice, first of all, I believe this. Her laughter expressed her doubts. Her laughter expressed her doubts. I don't know what kind of laugh this was. The Bible says she laughed within herself. I I don't even know if it was an audible laugh, but to God it was. Has anybody ever said anything to you and you've just gone, you ever done that? Don't lie to me, you do it every time I preach. We shrug it off with an audible gasp and we're just laughing inside and sometimes we say, well, if I don't laugh, I'll cry. But I believe that her laughter expressed her doubts. In other words, she didn't believe what was about to happen. She didn't believe what God had said in that moment. And notice, first of all, I believe she doubted because it was improbable. She doubted because it was improbable. Verse 11 says, now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. They were old and well stricken in age. Let me ask you this. Um, Let me do this. I've been taking surveys today and asking for a show of hands. How many of you believe you're old and well-stricken in age? You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you would feel it's an insult if somebody said you're old and well-stricken in age? Some of our younger, any of our ladies for sure, right? It doesn't seem like a very flattering thing to say. I mean, we might say, well, I'm old, but I certainly wouldn't like hearing I'm well-stricken. This doesn't sound nice. But what the scripture is telling us and what the Holy Spirit is impressing upon our hearts today is that this was an improbable thing. They are. They're old and they're well-stricken in age. Let me give you one more survey. How many of you think that somebody that should be called old and well-stricken in age is able to have a child? Nobody. Just doesn't seem possible. And so with her age and her advanced, uh, I I suppose, well-stricken seems that it's talking about her health and and her natural force has been abated in some way and she's not as strong as she used to be. And now God says you're going to have a child. And she doubted because it was improbable. Years ago, my grandma's sister, my Aunt Blanche, she's still alive. She's 95 years old. She had a daughter just about six months before I was born. She was 47 years old when she had a child. That seems pretty old to have a child, doesn't it? Now, I'm not trying to insult you if you've done that. I don't know. But can you imagine 47 years old having a child carrying a baby? 
I ran into some old friends, and I, I, I was talking to a fellow. We were, I was in a store in Brantford a couple years ago, and the, the fellow was dealing with some customers, and I was waiting to talk to them. And uh, they were talking over there, and I overheard the one lady say, well, we, we were from, we're from Port Dover. We went to Port Dover Composite School. And the guy behind the counter said, well, that's where I went to school. I went to Port Dover And I said, well, I went over, hey, over here. I went to Port Dover Composite School, too. And he said, what's your name? And I told him, and he told me his name, and we were in school together, same class. So we talked a little bit, and we were joking. He said, well, tell me about your family. And I said, well, I've got, at that time, I said, i got a 21-year-old, and i got a 20-year-old, and i got a, you know, 18-year-old, and I've got a, 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 I guess she was 15 at the time. I said, I, and he said, wow. I said, well, do you have any kids? He says, yeah. He says, we have a newborn at home. I said, Wow. I ran into another fellow, and I said, uh, I, 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 he had this little bitty girl in his car, and, and I said, oh, is this your grandchild, Mike? He says, no, it's my daughter. And I thought he was crazy. And he says, well, how old are your kids? And I said, well, 23 and 20, now 23, 22. And he laughed at me. But it's strange when we see somebody has a, a child of, of an older age, we think it's improbable. I, I Googled it and I looked it up and I found out the oldest woman in the Guinness Book of World Records ever to have a child was a lady in India who was 69 years old. She had a child. Brother Cameron, what would you think if your dear wife came home and said, honey, I got some news. Wow. That would scare me. And I'm only 48. Can you imagine, Brother Kevin, what would you think? Good night. That is not news that we want to hear. And so what did Sarah do? She did the same thing you just did. She laughed. Because it was improbable. Can I say this? I don't believe she always laughed. It is very likely that Sarah got married probably around 15 years old. That was the culture of the day. She was likely promised to Abraham, and he was 25 years old, and she was 15. And the dads in the room were thinking, not my daughter. But it was a very different culture. And I imagine for 50 years, she wanted a child. We understand things were very different in those days. Also with their bodies, they lived to be a great age. Abraham lived well into his hundreds. And so to have a child at 65 may not be out of the question but for 50 years, she wanted a child. For 50 years, she, I imagine, prayed and wept. There was times where she got to be 40 years old and said, Lord, I've been married for 25 years. Why hasn't this happened? I want a child so badly. You see, it was a reproach upon women. We're reminded of Hannah who went and wept at an altar because she wanted a child because it was a reproach among women in those days not to have a son to carry on the family name. For 25 years, for 30 years, for 40 years, she prayed. And finally, after 50 years, God gave a promise. When she was 65 years old, when it seemed completely improbable that she could have a child, God came and said, you're going to have a child. And he said to the 75-year-old Abraham, come with me. And the Bible says he took him outside and he let him see the sky. And he said, you see all the stars? He said, your children are going to be like that. Innumerable. Like the sands by the seashore. But I want to suggest to you something else. Her laughter expressed her doubts because it seemed improbable. 
But not only that, it seemed impossible. Verse 11 says that they were old and well-stricken in age. That's improbable. That's improbable. But what makes it impossible is where it says it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. You see what happened? When God gave the promise to Sarah at 65, maybe she shrugged her shoulders and went, okay, maybe. Again, they're very different back in those days, right? If Abraham lived 175, maybe they were having children at 65. I don't know. Things were very different. And so maybe at 65, she shrugged her shoulders and said, this is improbable, but not impossible. But you know what God did? He waited till it was impossible so he could prove his point. The Bible says not only were they old and well-stricken in age, the Bible says that it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. It was impossible. This was not just something that God could show up and tweak a little bitty thing and all of a sudden after 50 years that Sarah would have a child. No. This was a completely barren womb. I went to a men's retreat a couple years ago out in uh, British Columbia, and uh, Pastor Lenvoy was there, one of our missionaries, and he had just found out that his wife was expecting. He got married a little bit later in life, and they'd had a child when they first got married, and now he was nearly 60 years old. His wife, I believe, was 48 or 49. And they got married when she was almost 30 and he was almost 45 or so. And now she came home, she says, honey, I got news. They already had, I think, a 23-year-old daughter. And now another one was coming. And the guys were ribbing him a little bit. The other pastors were there and we were having a good time with them. Like, man, you're not going to sleep. You're going to be up all night. I mean, you're... Think about this. Your grandkids are going to have to call their younger aunt and uncle, aunt or uncle so-and-so. It was just, I mean, it, all kinds of things going on there. And we were teasing, we were ribbing him. And he said, you know, I, he says, we had the one child. We didn't think we could have any more. We tried and for years. He says, it was improbable, but not impossible. But God isn't the God of the improbable. He's the God of the impossible. And he came along into Sarah's life and he said, listen, understand this. And, and, and he didn't say it in words, but he was reminding Abraham and Sarah, I promised you when you were 65 and I, I made a commitment to you when it was improbable, but I had to wait until it was impossible. As a matter of fact, if Sarah had showed up at the marketplace and she began to show that she was expecting a child, others might come and rejoice with her at 65 and say, oh, isn't this wonderful? We thought you would never have a child, but God has blessed you. But now at 89 years old, and by the way, would not have a child for another year yet, they would look at her and say, this is impossible. This must be of God. Do you see the difference? So her doubts express, or sorry, her laughter expressed her doubts. But I would say more than that, her laughter exposed her disappointment. Her laughter exposed 
her disappointment. She was disappointed at the passing of time. Sarah mentions in verse 12, after I'm waxed old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also. Sarah acknowledges with that one word that this would have been a great joy in my life at one time. I would have loved to have had a child. This would have been much pleasure, and now you're saying, I'm old, and my Lord, my husband, he's old also. You're saying, I'm going to have this now. She was disappointed. Not because she was going to have a child. She didn't actually believe it just yet. But because she'd never had a child. You say, how long has passed? Well, if she was married around 15, I'm just guessing, she waited 50 years for the promise of God, but yet another 25 years have passed. 24 at this point, and she's 89 years old. She's disappointed. Think, think about this. As a young child, she gets married as a young lady, and the height of her expectation is like the top of the mountains, and she's expecting a child. How many kids would she expect? 20, 30, I don't know. How many kids did they have in those days? And she would have had all kinds of kids throughout the years, and she was excited about being a mom. That was the, the goal of this young lady's life. And after 50 years, she'd given up on her dream, and then God came along and made a promise. 25 years later, that would almost seem cruel, wouldn't it? She was disappointed at the passing of time, but she was disappointed because the promise had tarnished. It didn't seem real anymore. It didn't matter. Let me ask you this. Have you ever prayed for something for so long that eventually you stopped praying for it? Have you ever done that? Something was at the bottom of your prayer list and all the other prayer requests got answered and it worked its way up and it got to the top. But then eventually you just, ah, I guess that's never going to happen. Sometimes God gives an answer in a different way like he did Paul who asked God to remove the thorn in the side three different times and Paul understood and realized that it was there to show God's grace and learn that God's grace is sufficient and perhaps we do learn a lesson earlier on and that's why we take it off our prayer list but I'm talking about that prayer request that you never felt like it was answered you're praying for the salvation of a loved one praying for a wayward child or grandchild to come back to the Lord and eventually we just give up we read in the scripture a promise and we believe that God will answer that word and he'll answer the prayer because of a promise that we read in the Bible and we know that we have a faithful God and a powerful God and so we keep praying and we keep trusting but eventually the promise becomes tarnished. I kind of feel like that's what Sarah's expressing in her disappointment here. Lord, that would have been okay years ago when you first promised it but 25 years later, Am I going to have joy now that I'm old? Pleasure now that I'm old? My wife prayed for her father-in-law for 25 years before he got saved. 25 years. What if she quit after 24? What if she said, 
I, I thought once you'd be saved and I thought there was a promise, but I don't know. What if she gave up early? A few weeks ago, I had a young man come to my office. I shared this with the church a few weeks ago, but I didn't use names. I had a young man come into my office and he sat in my office and he says, you know, as a young child, I, I accepted Christ as my savior. I made a profession of faith. I was doing things in the church. I was involved in mission trips and I was doing stuff. But he says, I got away from the Lord and I, I got married. And he says, I had children. And he says, a lot of things I've done in my life, I'm really not proud of. And he says, I'm carrying guilt and I don't know why I would do some of these things I did after accepting Christ as my savior. After about three hours, he bowed his head and accepted Christ that day. I shared that testimony with you, and I didn't tell you who it was, and I received a text from the young man after church that day, and he says, go ahead and use my name, pastor. He says, I'm ashamed of things in my past, but I'm not ashamed that I came back to Jesus. His name is Brad Simmons. We've been talking every week since, trying to get together to disciple and pray. My wife and I, after that Brad left here, we jumped in the car and we went over to rejoice with Bob and Donna. I've been praying for years. Hey, don't give up. The promises of God are sure. Listen, let me ask you this. If you can't trust God, who are you going to talk to about this? Who are you going to go to that you can trust? God is the only one that is able to change a heart and a life. Her laughter exposed her disappointment. Let me say this thirdly. Her laughter echoed her defeat. I think she went from discouragement to disappointment to defeat. It is likely that years earlier to hear of the promise excited her. But now that she's been married for 70 years... 74 years, approximately. She's probably sick of talking about it. Defeated. Think about this. All the other ladies that got married around the time she did, all of her girlfriends, are showing pictures of their kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, probably great-great-grandkids and maybe even some triple greats after 70 years. If you get married at 15, you start young. Can you imagine every time she went to the market and she saw that woman and she said, oh, she's going to talk about her great-great-grandkids again. Defeated, discouraged, disappointed. All came out in that laughter. God said, why did Sarah laugh at me? If she were to answer honestly, she might say, because I'm hurt, Lord. But I've cried all the tears I can cry. So now it just seems so preposterous I'm going to laugh. If she were telling the truth. If she were being honest. Her hopes were once rekindled, but now after another 25 years, she was living in defeat. She laughed at the prospects of God. Let me ask you, are you starting to feel like this is your story and not Sarah's?
Do you have that thing that brings you defeat? Do you have that thing that you've been praying for and asking God and trusting God and yet it's never come to pass? I'm going to tell you this. The devil's going to tell you over and over again. Why don't you just quit praying? Why don't you just give up? God doesn't care about you. And we end up laughing at God. I've been there, and I know you've been there. You wonder if God's ever going to show up again. And Sarah is the epitome of feeling that way. Are you living with doubts? Are you living in defeat? Let me ask you this. Ask yourself this. Is my God smaller today than when he made the promise? Or is he still almighty God? Is he smaller today than when I trusted him? Or is he still able to provide all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus? Is my God still able? The answer is in verse 14. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Here's the truth. Sarah laughed at God, partially because of her doubts, partially because of her disappointment, partially because she was defeated, but she laughed at God because she lost sight of who God really was. If the Lord Jesus Christ would split this ceiling open and descend to this platform and stand (coughs) right here where I'm standing, and give you a command or give you a promise, hopefully we'd say, yes, Lord. I mean, we'd be excited, wouldn't we? I mean, with everything that happened, the roof splitting open. Some of you are good Baptists. You'd be concerned about the damage to the roof more than anything, but I, I know. He made a mess of our auditorium. But if the Lord were to descend and stand right here, Would we believe him? Would we trust him? Would we be excited about his appearing? It's easy when it's big and flashy and before your eyes and that day you got saved and you heard about the love of Christ and you heard about the cross of Calvary and you heard about the blood that was shed. Boy, it got us excited and it revived our hearts and souls. But many years later, do you still trust him? Sarah was on the brink of 70 years waiting for a child. 25 years with a promise. And she saw nothing. Do you know how gracious and merciful our Lord is? Somewhere in heaven, the Lord said, maybe we better pop in and encourage Sarah. Well, isn't she going to have a child in just a year? Can't she just wait a year? Yeah, but she needs some encouragement. Sarah, next year at this time, you'll have a child. And her response was laughter. She laughed at God. We might be more prone to laugh at God too if we go 70 years. 
But it's not because she was discouraged or discontented. It was because she forgot who the Lord was. In verse 14, he reminds her, Is anything too hard for the Lord? No, I guess not. At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. You know, for the child of God, everything is an appointment. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And if we don't just keep that wonderful Bible principle in sight that God knows the ins and the outs of everything. He knows the end from the beginning. Nothing falls out unto us lest it passes through the hand of our God. We are his children. And he loves us. And if we never lose sight of that, we'll be fine. But Sarah had forgotten that. She thought the Lord had forgotten her. Several years ago, Pastor Wyatt's father went home to be with the Lord. Mr. Wyatt was in a wheelchair with Lou Gehrig's disease, and he lived with the disease for about 15 years, which is unusual. It usually claims a life much quicker than that. The last year of his life, his wife would rarely leave his side. She was always concerned that he would take a sip of water and choke. The muscles deteriorate with Lou Gehrig's disease. And so she rarely left his side, but one day after about a year of that, a friend of hers said, would you like to get a coffee? A lady from the church, Heritage Baptist Church in Burlington. And she said, I'd like that. She says, but I haven't left my husband's side in a year. But she said something just nudged her heart. She says, I just need to go. I just, I need fellowship. I haven't been to church in a year. I haven't hardly seen any friends in a year. And I just need to get out of the house for an hour. She said, I guess I could go for one hour. And so she made sure her husband had eaten and he had a drink of water and he was taken care of and she put him up by his table and he made little badges. You know the usher badges you see in churches sometimes? He had a little machine and he could still work it well enough that he could punch out these little badges because he wanted to do something for the Lord. So he'd make those for churches all over the place. She came home and she found him slumped over in his chair and he was gone to be with the Lord. And she beat herself up. I remember Brother Frank Earl, a couple weeks later, wanted to go see her. He had been in that church for years, and he said, could we go? And I said, sure. And visitation night, we went over to see her, and she says, I beat myself up. I had stayed with him and stayed with him, and then he died alone. But she says, my son, Alistair, preached the funeral, and I had gone to the funeral in Burlington. And I remember him saying this. He got up, and he said, Mom, he says, I know you're beating yourself up. But the Bible says it is appointed unto men once to die. In other words, God knows the very moment. And God could have moved it to another time, so you could have been, but God had an appointment for dad. And he knew it would be when you weren't there. She says, that brought me such comfort. To know that God had planned out everything. And that he wasn't alone, the Lord was with him. You see, when we realize that our lives are appointed by God, we'll learn to be patient. Sarah had lost sight that God had an appointment for her life, that he had, notice what the Bible says in, in verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord at the time appointed? In other words, when I promised this to you 24 years ago, I already knew what day you'd have a baby. It was an appointed time. 
You need to learn how to wait and to be patient because God has a plan for your life. Listen, don't ever mistake God's quiet for God's forgetfulness. He never forgets you. Don't mistake a seemingly time of uh, a God not working in your life to God not caring because he is working and he has a plan. It's just playing out in his timing and not yours. The Bible says this, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That verse makes so much more sense to me now. Because we're not good at waiting on anything, are we? You say, oh, I'm pretty patient. Go to a restaurant sometime and, and wait for two hours for your meal. We'll see how patient you are when you're hungry. We're not real good at being patient. But when we are patiently waiting on the Lord and we know that he is ordering our steps and we know that he has an appointed times for different things in our lives, then we mount up with wings as eagles. Why? Because he gives strength. Because we're relying totally upon him. Let's stand to our feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Let me ask you this. Could you relate with Sarah? Discouraged, defeated, downhearted. Wondering if the Lord is hearing your prayers. Wondering if your time has passed you by. If you're being baptized today, you can be dismissed and start getting ready for baptism. Let me tell you this, the Lord has appointed your steps. Everything that's going to fall out to you in your life, the Lord already knows about it. We just need to wait and trust in him. The instruments are going to start playing in a moment and God has spoke to your heart. Pray right where you are. Come to this altar if you'd like. Brother Cody's going to take the invitation as I go get ready for a baptism this morning. But let's do business with God. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, Brother Cody's going to take a moment and share the gospel with you. Make sure you know Christ today before it's eternally too late. relate to and even as I'm talking you can come up and pray I believe the Lord's been dealing with hearts have you laughed at God at the thought of him using you wanting to to know you personally or have you laughed at God even with the thought of him using somebody else saving somebody would you come uh, to this altar even as I speak to pray for that person that God has spoke to you about that you used to pray for Is a rekindling needed in your life to get back to where you once were? Do business with the Lord.